This morning's talk was titled. That's not confusion. That's not confusion. And this title, title of this talk is, this is confusion. I'm going to tell both sides of the story. I'm going to be accused of being unfair. So what am I saying by that, besides being silly? What I'm saying is that the very thing that we think is clarity, sometimes the very, well, I, I think I'm on to that, the very thing that we start to use as a protocol for getting out of the jam or out of our particular you know, negative milieu that's creating some kind of a network of more negativity, and then we start to see light at the end of the tunnel. This could be, might be, probably is confusion on some level. So this is, I often say to people, just people who are students, uh, or at least are come and sit in front of me for 10 minutes, I might never see them again. I quite often say, don't do anything unless you have to. And it's just a very simple observation about something, having been through a lot of crap myself in the last number of years. So less is better. It seems like uh, just hold back. You could say it that way, hold back. And just something that's difficult that keeps saying to you, you need to, you need to do something about this, and especially if your neighbor or your friend, your, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your mate says, you need to, you need, as soon as you hear that, red flags should go up everywhere. As soon as anybody tells you you need to do anything, unless it's me, of course, <laughs> then you should give me 10 seconds and listen. Give me the benefit of the doubt for a short time. So the, the conventional word for this is patience. So something happens, something is beckoning for help, something, there's a fire over here that looks like it needs putting out, maybe. But you could actually look and see what that is for a while before you uh, scramble for the fire hose. You could, you could actually look at that. Now, obviously, if it's, a if it's an actual fire, you're not going to need to deliberate too much on that. But quite often, we have different levels of that kind of thing that we impute as just as real as a fire, when actually it's a combination, it's a composite of ideas, opinions, and, and different ways the mind works to shut down, close off, or ignore most of the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance. That's the one that's the hardest to see. If you're ignoring something, you won't know it because you're ignoring it. You won't know about ignorance. Ignorance uh, needs to be done, as far as I know, the way it looks, needs to be done through increasing your ability to see what is on the move. And, and it's only in that way that you will see what is fixated or still. You have to watch the movement so you can see the stillness through contrast. It doesn't seem to be possible to do it through and do a thorough job of it. So you really see what it is uh, through some kind of analysis that works to some extent. Psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, philosophers, politicians use this constantly, this uh, uh, kind of uh, form of uh, analysis and logic. And insofar as you have the right uh, movable, the right uh, qualities that are quite um, the the, the um, if the dynamics themselves are not just invented, but they're the actual have some kind of gravitas to them, then maybe you can make some progress that way. But quite often, uh, people in their in their fervor to come to a result, or maybe being pushed by circumstances, 
all the causes and conditions that can lead to that, we tend to jump to conclusions, which is a common way of saying conclude. We want to conclude that. We want results. We need results. We need to have that. And so, uh, what is the what is the what is the, the, the description of that is not not having not being patient. Not the patient isn't exactly waiting. Um, I mean, it is kind of if you're only thinking about your agenda. But if you're waiting for a bus and the bus is late, the bus isn't deliberately. They're expecting us at three o'clock. We're going to hold back. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to pull off the side and wait. So, you know, now the teacher can do that to you. You notice how I grin because it was done to me. So, on the other hand, that's the teaching students a situation that might be a lot different than the world in general. That being said, uh, to go a little bit deeper into that, and I'm happy to answer questions. The teacher. If it's a true teacher, that teacher, and if you're a true student, in other words, you want to, you're willing to do this and give someone the benefit of the doubt who's been looking at this for uh, probably longer than you have, then you could actually receive that, whatever's happening as a teaching, and that will introduce you to your world until you're able to relate to the teacher. This is Buddha Dharma, not something this old man made up. Until you're able to relate to the teacher as the teacher, uh, you're probably not going to relate to the world as a teacher. The world will always look like some other thing, another object of right and wrong, instead of an incredible classroom. Not, this, is, this is not the only tr tradition or the only person that talks this way. A lot of, uh, a lot of teachers and, and other traditions all together say, this is a school. This is where the downloaded consciousness comes into a human form. The spiritual being has a physical experience that and then you how you work with that is uh, determines because of cause and effect because of dependent origination what happens as we go along through apparent time so no conclusion particular in particular no no I, sh I need to do this I shouldn't do that I, as soon as you go into should I or shouldn't I as soon as you Anything arises like a, a choice between two things, fishy. This may be more may be more about the, the need for the self-centeredness, the ego, which does not want to show itself as narcissism. It wants to show itself as somebody who is who's reasonable and someone who doesn't take anything for granted and, and likes things that are proof and very pragmatic. Sometimes it takes on a very pragmatic form. Sometimes it's very idealistic functions in different ways. There's this old display of the Tibetan form uh, of the five Buddha families, which I'm not going to go into partially because I can't remember them all. Um, the ways of looking at different styles of personality, uh, development, passion, aggression, ignorance, um, and so on. So the sitting practice of meditation is Besides the study part that we're doing, excuse me, this is somewhat what we're doing here. I'm presenting something as a teaching person. You're seeing something as a, a learning person. And this kind of learning isn't just, isn't exactly about information. I never test anybody particularly. It's this misunderstanding of education is the test. We're still very primitive in that area. I'm not going to comment on that. When I went to college for a while, but long enough to find out that's not something I wanted to do. I, they weren't teaching me what I wanted to learn. They were teaching me what they thought I should learn so that they could give me a certificate. So I quit. 
and also had a girlfriend. Full disclosure, of course. <clears throat> and don't misunderstand, I'm not against that. I'm not against education. I think education is great. Everybody here is probably has a degree uh, and it's been involved in education, teaching, and so on. So all about practicing teaching and learning. So very, this particular way of learning is has to do with uh, um, with uh, concepts and learning concepts and learning, but it's also, there's a, there's a quality here that actually where we begin to, becomes an anti-gravity machine. It actually starts to go, not against, but it starts to do something that relatively speaking, it doesn't always make sense. And that shows up as our belief that things are solid. This is here and I'm here. We just impute that. I mean, just like you get up in the morning and where's my coffee cup or does somebody make coffee yet? Or I mean, it's just very, very, and it's totally ignoring death comes without warning. This body will, will come to an end sooner or later. Like my teacher, I've repeated this several times because it's just hilarious to me. Chogim Trungpa said once, and I don't know when it was, but a while back. It's been gone many years, over 30. He said, some people will die right away. Oh, everyone else will die later. So, he had a good sense of humor. Of course, he's dead. Just quite humorous. But, but who he actually was is not going anywhere. Who he actually, and I'm not saying I'm him, but it's not separate from this. Without that teacher... This teacher wouldn't be here. So it's a, and, and, it's, and always to, there needs to be a student for there to be a teacher. So thank you. Questions are good if you have them, otherwise I can keep rambling on. You said ignorance and we don't know what we don't see. Are you, is, is the ignorance you're referring to of impermanence? Or could it be situational? Could be. It's it's rampant. It's everywhere. You're actually right now. You to pick on you since you're closer than everybody else. Uh, you are ignoring. Uh, are ignoring that you don't actually have a substantial existence. We're not saying your body isn't here, but who you actually are is uh, neither present nor not present. It's called not two non-dual. And that is the case. That's what you're, you're ignoring that. You'll opt for one or the other, but it's very difficult to actually receive and be aware that both of those are true and false. More? When you say um, downloaded consciousness. Just a metaphor, just a way of talking about it. more about that. Could you downloading consciousness? Yeah, could, you say, could you say the metaphor in another way? You may not like it. Nothing happens. Because who you actually are is uh, does not actually exist in the way that this exists or that exists. And this has duration. This is impermanent. It's okay right now. This is like a lifetime. Slowly winding down to what? Not separate. More? What is 
One sentience. What is sentience? Yeah, like oh. Buddhas and sentient beings. What is yeah. sentience the same as consciousness? People interpret it differently. Some people say anything alive is sentient. Uh, I don't really limit it. So regarding what is alive, it seems like a, a tree, for example, or a person. It's just cellular sentience. Sentience. This is this is this is consciousness. You're looking at consciousness. Don't believe a word I say. I don't need your belief. So I, I don't need to. There's no convincing going on. I'm just I'm just suggesting with your question. It's easy to say, well, flowers are alive, so they have some kind of you know, you can scare a flower. You can hook a bunch of measurements up to it and go, boo, it's, you know, flower will. Anybody done that before? Or do you just believe what somebody says? In other words, is it epidemiology or proof? So and I don't mean to be, I'm not talking about some kind of magical, mystical kind of thing I'm saying. Consciousness, kind of what 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 actually this is, this expression that is coming out of this these uh, vibrating vocal cords, and, and is and is not separate from this body, and is not separate from this uh, this consciousness and the consciousnesses that are here, or this consciousness, not separate, separated. Yes, the rug is not particularly thinking, but is a Rumi, who lives at the temple, is a really tiny monkey about that big. What is he, eight months old? Probably nine. Nine months old. You know, you can look at him and say, is he thinking or not? You know, yeah, he's thinking. And he's thinking, you better straighten up. <laughs> Just the expression on his face tells you that he has something happening in that consciousness. This was happening before he came into existence. And it was happening before he came into, before any of us. Consciousness is not created, therefore it can't vanish. Can't go anywhere. All the traditions teach this in different ways. Some of them are pretty fuzzy sounding. But they're all, everyone is tuned into this, uh, that some kind of transcendence is possible. Some kind of, you know, death comes without warning. This body will be a corpse. At that time, the Dharma or the truth will be my only help. I must practice it with exertion. It's just all it's really saying is let's take a look. Wendy. So can a monkey become transcendent? So the bull is already that. We're the ones that need the training. So the bull is already not separate from rocks and trees and so the, the, so it's it's hard to say what uh, what can develop or how it's kind of interesting if you really look, uh, those of you who really studied the body, physical therapists, uh, you know, nurses uh, who have really looked at that. It's, it's so complicated. It's just amazing it even works. And there's all these little things. And lately, because of my health situation, O'Neill uh, and I have been looking down into that. And thinking, my goodness, how could, can anybody even keep track of all this stuff? And then they come up with all those Latin words. Why don't they just call it, you know, um, I think, you know, some other kind of simple thing instead of a, what's that one word? Glomeruli in the kidneys. Is that where they're at? And how many are there? Who counted them? I didn't count. But 
I mean, it's I'm being uh, silly about it, but I'm just saying it, things are so incredibly complicated, yet we impute or believe or think or feel that we're just one person. Even though we're garaged constantly with lots of different thoughts, we think that it's one person having lots of different thoughts. But identity, it's been my understanding after looking at this for a long time, is discontinuous. There's no solid person anywhere. If you need to go bowling, the bowling person will show up. It, it, it sounds kind of weird, but if somebody attacks you, then the fighter will show up. A consciousness is so incredibly uh, facile and so adept at adaptation that it will you just transform into whatever needs help or support or work. But and what makes it difficult is when that goes too far and it starts to want to control other people, wants to impute or wants to think, well, you should or you you shouldn't do that. You should do and when it's whether you're eight year old, that might be different. It might, but even with them, it's quite often parents don't really respect these little tiny people who are trying to understand how to how to be alive. Instead, they have a bunch of rules, and not always good. Yes. So training, training the mind. When we train, typically we're trying to acquire a skill or extinguish a behavior. When we train the mind. What is the result? Um, so the way I'm talking about it is uh, look at, first of all, don't do anything else you have to, including meditation. Go do something else. Right? I'm trying to get you to leave, but if, you, if you're having some difficulty with your life in, so, in some way, probably this is, you're going to want to at least look at this, just like we go to, that might go to a therapist. We might have three therapists, and that one was pretty good. She actually listened to what I was saying. So uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, we're talking about training our mind to see uh, this is all about uh, preparation for not just this life, but whatever happens after this, if there is such a thing as after this. Not really concerned about what it is so much as uh, we need to be really clear about who we are and what this is about. And also the way to do that is to help people. We're not really separate from others, but yet we pick and choose. Some people we're friends with and we'll help them. And these other people are asses. You know, they, or they act in a way that's uncomfortable. They're suffering too. They're having their difficulty. You ever notice how there might, might be a person that you, you really like and be friendly with, and then uh, there's another person you really like and be friendly with, and they, they don't like each other. It's like, that's odd. They're both such... A, Sweethearts, or they're both such easy to talk to and everything. Yet, when you talk to one woman, said, what, "What do you, what do you see in them? They seem so weird, or they seem so stuck on themselves." Or, you know, it's a very interesting to have someone say that when they're actually stuck on themselves, and they project it onto somebody else. Not accusing anyone of anything, particularly, but we tend the projection. This is the ignorance part that we tend to project onto others. Like if I were to project onto you, you're this and this and this and this, when actually you're to someone else, you might look totally different. You might show up different because the chemistry between the two of you is so um, uh, intimate and personal. It's not personal because there's a person there. It's personal because of dependent origination, because your hair color, your eye color, 
your whatever brainwave, your chemistry, uh, your birth date, your Enneagram, your I'm okay, you're okay, or however you want to look at any of that. The whole elaboration, and I could go on and spout off all the things I've looked into. I haven't even mentioned tarot cards and Elm Street. Lucky you. But everything is dependently risen, and there are signs everywhere of the incredible vastness uh, of this interconnected teaching. This is called the Buddhist teaching of totality. Not used very much. It's usually by a negative, but it's usually through a negative situation. Everything is empty, what you think it is. It seems that the emptiness teaching or the negativity seems to help us if you're a meditator. If you're not meditating, then it just becomes philosophy, and it just becomes a discussion between you and other intellectuals or scholars. And then, you know, go talk with Dan Lusthaus. Go talk with, uh, um, I could name a whole list of people that are powerful thinkers and scholars that have gone into Buddhism and actually are able to deconstruct that in such a way that, you know, you might as well be trying to build a submarine underwater. Be hard. So we're training ourselves to see what is fundamentally the truth, not just relative truth. This is moving through air. This causes this. That's, that's basically cause and effect. But the elaboration on that, if you see it deeply, is I've said this many times, and I think it's worth saying again. Uh, what we miss when we just see this cause this. So this is the criminal that disturbed the poor bell that was resting. So this is a victim. Here's a mean old striker. Cause and effect. Put him in jail. Uh, this this one could take somebody to court or, you know, you could go on and on and all the elaborations in our justice system and so on. But no one's looking at where this came from. No one's really looking at what is this? What Where did this come from? Where did these come from? Because you wouldn't hear that without this. I would not be here. I had a mother and a father. They had mothers and fathers. Uh, I think uh, my son Austin has traced my grandmother's side, side back to the 12th century. I rest my case. <laughs> and even that is like, who knows? He's interested in that. And since I'm interested in him, I'm But cause and effect doesn't stop at, at just at that sound or just at that effect. It's an incredible labyrinth of causes and conditions that you cannot trace down. There's a teaching uh, in, I think, I don't know which one of the sutras, one of the, either Tozan Rokai or... Um, Chekhtokitan uh, in the ninth century said the metaphor he used was um, tributaries and streams flowing in the darkness. But you can't you can't actually see the first cause of everything, of anything. That whatever shows up has a vast vast uh, network of tributaries and streams going back into beginningless time that create that one particular event and that event might might be your open heart surgery or your uh, getting a, a job that you didn't expect suddenly you got hired by uh, something or you, you ran into a relationship where the love of your life comes uh, coming down the escalator you know you, you don't, we don't know this looks accidental and, and from a certain point of view it's accidental but another point of view it's uh, my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, would call it auspicious coincidence. 
auspicious as auspicious coincidence. I met my teacher in 1973 and was uh, saw one of his books in a bookstore, picked it up, and uh, instead of ignoring it, like I wanted to do, talking about ignorance, I saw it and I, I don't like that book. I don't like the color of the cover. But was that ignorance or was that, what was that? No, that was fear. Because <laughs> I don't really want, I like dead teachers. Once they're dead, you can read them. You don't have to talk to them. So I read Wei Ning. I read. I read uh, <laughs> he's really dead. Huh? He's really dead. Yeah, he's he's dead as a doornail. He's way <laughs> way back there. He's and uh, and all these other guys. Uh, uh, I can't remember all of them. But what Dogen? I read Dogen's Zenji. But um, but then I find a book that and I look it up. Oh, that's interesting. He lives where in Boulder? If I put the book back down, left. I don't need that. Not interested. Two weeks later, I started thinking, you know, this is, you'll recognize this kind of talking. Kind of talking, well, I ought to give him a chance and go and look at it and see who it is. So I went back and, yeah, <laughs> biggest mistake. <laughs> Just ruined my life. I was perfectly fine becoming a great artist. Not going to happen. I went and read it, and I, and I just got on the phone, never done that before, called him, found out where he was. It's auspicious coincidence. Just my heart started resonating, and I had I had uh, an extreme connection with him and an extreme terror at the same time because I knew that I was in for it. I was not going to be able to hide out from this guy. Set back, don't do anything unless you act. So you had to get in touch with Rinpoche. What, what made you realize that that was something that you had to do, as opposed to other things that. It was choices. I, I couldn't help him. I, I, I had to. And of course, I, I just spent uh, about 12 years reading about Buddhism and reading Alan Watts and reading uh, W.Y. Evans Wentz. And, you know, all the all, all six books that were published in the 60s, I read. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's, of course, thousands of books on Buddhism. But when I was reading, it was really early basic material. I went everywhere I could find to get anything. I didn't read everything, of course. Excuse me. Read quite a bit. And... So I was kind of I was kind of ready for, for this. So when I I read uh, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism and Meditation and Action, and it just um, I wasn't even all the way through the book. I needed to meet him. It was I don't know how I would describe it other than that I really needed to I needed to talk to him. I'd already been to a psychiatrist. That wasn't going to work. Uh, I didn't have too many therapists in those days. But, uh, the psychiatrist was just as crazy as I was. So she didn't know that I knew that, but um, I knew I couldn't get the kind of help I needed there. And this isn't to say that she wasn't a great helper of people. She probably helped hundreds of people, but uh, that's not the kind of help I needed. I need to go. I didn't need some medication or a bunch of psychotherapy. I really need to find out something deeper than that. I'd already read lots of books on psychology, and uh, I, that's why I quit school because they weren't teaching what I wanted to learn. So more.
Neil? Um, question from Shoka down at the monastery. He asks, what is relating to the teacher as a teacher? Shoka? <laughs> Don't ask me that quite a question. What is relating to the teacher? I'm trying to understand what he's asking me. Oh, let me think for a minute. Doggone it, Shoka. Relating to the teacher as a teacher. That's it. You're relating to the teacher as a teacher. That's what it is. That's what it is. Your question is the answer. Person's a teacher. Listen to them. Be a student. Just be a, pretty simple. Be a student. Receive, receive. The teacher, if they're a true teacher, are, they're only going to produce relative to what they see. They aren't going to come up with a bunch of ideas about controlling you, manipulating you, although you might have some difficulty with that, young man. He's a monk, so I can scold him. You might have some difficulty relating to that. Do it anyway. Or give me your robes. He knows I'm not kidding him. Just do it anyway. Uh, if it's a true teacher, that teacher is not going to interfere with your karma or with your life or add to your unhappiness at all. If they're not a true teacher, then go find one. So if, you, if there is no one here, mm -hmm. if there is no one... Which there isn't. And there isn't anyone there... How do you relate? Perception only. There's no, there's no subject. There's no observer. And there's nothing being observed. So therefore, it's perception only. It's just a perception, which is a, a relative way of talking about ultimate truth. And the teaching person, if he, she, they are uh, teaching from that understanding, then there's no solid being. There's no success. There's no failure. There's no enlightenment. There's no confusion. Even though that may show up that way over and over again, but it is an untrue, it's an, it's an illusion. You can't teach this if you're grasping at anything. You can, if you're looking for a credential of success or failure, or if you can be destroyed by someone's opinion or rejection, then you're probably not a true teacher. Or? Juzan uh, from the monastery. It's a two-part question. The first one is, what does personal mean? And secondly, how is dependent origination personal? So a personal is just a feeling of uh, subjectivity that we, we, this is how we keep things separate from us. We're, well, as for me, I feel this way. I feel, I feel we, we leave the me feeling for we, meet the, we leave the me reference point and go immediately to the feeling. And if there's any threat, then we immediately go back to the me again. Well, it's I'm the one who's threatened. So we, we create separations in, our, in the first few stages of our perception of anything. And so and there, you know, we could elaborate on that, but I think that's probably sufficient. And then dependent origination was a question around that. Um, how is dependent origination personal? Uh, personal is just just uh, just a name for something that's uh, that uh, fundamentally is not true, but is dependently arisen. 
we, we get our personality from how we're treated from we get our personality from everything if you're treated really terrible when you're a child then then you're you'll probably have some form depending on who it is that's coming into incarnation and uh, not promoting belief in anything past lives something like that's happening whether it's an actual past life that you or me or anyone actually lived in another lifetime something like that's going on and i'm not ready to subscribe to any particular uh, collection of ideas around it other than i treat it the same way i treat everything don't believe it don't disbelieve it and don't take your eyes off from it because life is arising in so many different ways if you if you start to become have allegiance to anything including buddhism then you start to ignore other things don't ignore anything include it's more threatening and dangerous to the ego because you're you feel like you're out on a limb that's one of the reasons we have a, a robe and a raksu and, uh, and some kind of a teaching person and have the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. But personality just is just part of the whole shebang. It's just part of the whole contraption, the whole, the whole Rube Goldberg, Goldberg device. Everybody know what a Rube Goldberg device is? You roll a marble down a ramp, it hits a bell, the bell falls over onto a lizard, the lizard runs up a tree, and... Yeah, it keeps going like that. Tree falls over because it's a really big lizard. Falls on top of a barn. The barn's full of dynamite. It explodes. So, want to keep going? <laughs> I can do that all day. I might get kind of tired. But yes, sir. Can you say more about origination? I can. So, dependent origination—the fancy word—comes out of the ancient past, not something I invented. But Samutpada means that any one singularity. This striker or this person, that computer, this carpet, or any that chair is uh, dependently arisen. It, it gets its singularity by its relationship to everything else. So it's dependent. But what we do is we personalize it. This is my striker. Uh, this is your bell. May I hit it? Yeah? No? Okay. It's dependent. There's, there's a triangle right there. That's happening all the time. Every time you have a conversation with someone, you're on produce and receive. I highly recommend you, uh, you get an idea of how what percentage is receiving and what percentage is producing and try to do a little bit more receiving than you do producing. Listen, 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 listen to what people are saying. Not, you don't have to understand. This is what I say about studying the Dharma. There's no tests. It's a misunderstanding about this kind of training or education. You don't have to memorize Sanskrit. If you work with it enough, you'll find that some people really gravitate towards some teachings and other people are not interested. They go another direction. That's the way I teach. I wait to see what you want to do. And what I, what I want you to do is to sit as much as you can. But if somebody doesn't sit very much, they will fire them. My skull. I don't, I, they don't fail or something. You have to meet everyone where they're just like a, you use a very relative idea, just like a, anybody in any profession. If you have a client or a, or a pet patient, you, you meet them where they're at. And it might be a good idea to look really closely at what you're meeting. I'm sure you've been in a doctor's office where they look at the computer screen the entire time, you know, and uh, ask you questions. So how's this going? You know, you could stand on your head and they wouldn't know. Uh, I'm not saying they might not be really good at it, but it seems like a little bit of 
face to face, you know, with a notepad or something, and then maybe later on do the imputation. Then again, they may be they may be limited because of the what dependent origination that they bought into by needing a job and wanting to be part of an establishment of doctors, nurses, hospitals, which are wonderful. I wouldn't be here without hospitals. I'd be dead easily. So I'm not against that. I'm just saying let's try to be as aware as we can about all the causes and conditions that are coming in. Hold back as long as you can before you blame anybody for anything or give anything credit. More about that? I'm good too. Close on. You said earlier perception only. I did. And one of the teachings of three natures talks about the imaginary nature and the dependently arisen nature, the true nature. So what's different? How is the perception different than the imagination? The imagination is added on. There's attribution or there's commentary. So what she's talking about is a teaching that comes out of a a Yogacara teaching back in the third, fourth century. comes from several directions, so nobody knows the source. But the idea is that everything is dependent, arisen, partantra. So this... Uh, these are just, it's just a cause and effect, cause and effect, even with birth and death, no, it's cause and effect. And then we we attribute some kind of special personality or something to each thing. It's, it's my, like I was saying earlier, this is my striker, you're gone, can I hit it? There's all kinds of play going on like that, that makes that it's called, sometimes called Indra's net. Uh, and it makes a, a huge labyrinth of causes and conditions that, that give the appearance of something we can figure out. If I just look at how many times do we say something's happening, maybe it's our car, something wrong with that, or something wrong with our relationship, but you gotta figure this out. As soon as you say that, it's like the assumption is that you can actually figure this out. And then if you can just get your ducks in a row, then you can have uh, ducks that are lined up. You can have the result you want. That that's the imputation that creates the self-centeredness that makes us believe there's a solid being. Uh, when I say there, there's no one here and there's no one there, I'm saying I'm not saying there's no voice. I'm not saying there isn't something that's showing up that is organizing this in some way as people ask questions. But it's not a person, not a solid person, not a solid identity. Uh, and, and that's true with everyone. But. Because of fear, because because of hope and fear, we tend to cover up that because it's because the karma, the causes and conditions that arise as each person, along with your how you're treated all during this lifetime or any uh, any situation before this happened, it creates a kind of a, a, a Trump from Bajay called it a cocoon of, of protection around us. In the yoga chart tradition, which uh, Kozan's also talking about. In the three natures, it, it, it's it's a kind of a shield that protects us from uh, protects something that's actually unreal. Who you are, you don't have to get rid of your ego. Just to see that it's unreal, and then then it might and it might attend. Uh, it might be in the stage play, and it might not. But you're in the front row. And you see everything coming and going and coming and going. And you you sometimes you might be frightened, like in a horror movie, and sometimes you might enjoy it and laugh. But it's not real. It's a play, as Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. And to go to the other two aspects of the three natures, there's dependent origination, 
and uh, and then what we impute or what we make up about that situation based on innumerable kinds of causes and conditions that rotate around and look like maybe one or two things. And then if you see that clearly through the practice of meditation, there's no guarantee. But through the practice of meditation, through the practice of the Buddha's Dharma or awakened truth, we begin to see what is fundamentally true. When you see what is fundamentally true, all of that uh, at the same time breaks apart and doesn't do anything. And that insight into that that doesn't accept, reject, or shut down is called the, uh, the, the perfected nature. And it's also what is taught in the, the tantric tradition of uh, Zogchen is the great perfection. There's nothing to correct. What you're looking for, you're, you're looking at. Whatever you're looking at is already perfect. We just have a bunch of ideas about it that, that prevent us from seeing the complete purity of this world and of ourselves and all of the, the consciousnesses that come in and out of this world, including rocks and plants and dogs and cats. And, is that right? No. Yeah. I don't want to get too fancy. Go ahead. Perception only. Is there distinct, recognized distinction? So listen, perception, the perception of sound, we'll just stick with one sense consciousness. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. You didn't close your eyes. Uh huh. Did anybody open their eyes when I hit the table instead of the gong? Just a little bit of expectation happening. But, it, but the perception of that immediately goes from perception into a thought pattern about it. But the uh, perception only, now close your eyes and I will hit the gong. Listen. So that situation, the bell is still ringing out a little bit. That situation is, uh, is when I hit the table, then there's something was not, you know, I don't know what happened with you. Maybe you, maybe you thought that's what I was going to hit in the first place. So, but it's interesting how the mind perceives something and adds on something to it or, or, or accepts it or rejects it or runs away from it, runs into some other kind of thought pattern instead of just receiving just receive. Whereas the gong, I made it very clear I was going to strike the gong. So you were kind of ready to receive. Receiving that sound without, if you can receive that sound without really knowing what it is, it's, a, it's like just sound, just the perception. There's no one hearing it. There's no, there's no gong that's being struck. It's not sure. Literally, I mean, relatively, of course, there's a gong. And I have eardrums and so do you. Hopefully, and, uh, and there's an actual gong, but the actual perception of that uh, is where we abandon the actual true perception, the direct perception of emptiness, which is a basic Buddhist teaching, Mahayana teaching, uh, taught in the Prajnaparamita literature. We abandon that for our thoughts about it. And this is part of what dependent origination starts to expand from that and build a whole network of ideas and thoughts and opinions and right and wrong. And, in prisons and hospitals and families and uh, families of raccoons. I mean, it's just it's just it's a labyrinth. It's a cornucopia, I guess is the word. 
So the direct perception of the idea is to work with that when you sit down and face the wall, just look at the wall. Don't add, subtract, divide, do nothing with it insofar as you can. That's the practice. And of course, the practice also is involved in seeing well, you can't help but add on. You can't help but judge something. That's the practice too. So the judgment, the idea, the ideation around that, just, just observe, just, and you'll notice the circularity of it. And eventually the circularity, if you, if you, if you don't continue to say, why, why, why? Uh, and you just maybe say more, what is this? More of a what question than a why question. Eventually what begins to happen is the, the otherness of things, the, the separate other, 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 otherness of things begins to come apart. Ego, self-centeredness, does not particularly like that, and people can get afraid. And sometimes they get so afraid that they start to make up stuff about the teacher, about the teachings, about the terrible cult they've just joined. Uh, I mean, on and on. Could, could be any, any development in any direction. and Or it could be, you know, I'm going to look around. This is not something I really want to do. I'm going to go back and do some yoga. I felt a lot better. This is not about feeling better. There are a lot of meditations that, that you will, more of a chance of feeling better. You want to know what they are? Check with the machines. No, I'm not, I'm not here to criticize what people, any time anyone is doing any kind of practice, I respect them, they should be left alone. I'm not here to convince anybody of I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Shane, who's staying at the monastery, has a question. He asks, how do we see the world as our teacher slash classroom? Uh, it's pretty hard to do that on your own. If you don't have a true teacher to introduce you to that world, then you'll probably continue to project onto it. Unless you're a really, really special being like you are, Sean. Oh, I thought it was Sean. No, Shane. Oh, Shane, he's not that special. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Shane. <laughs> so unless you have someone, it's not that they take over your life. It's just life happens and you're there. You practice, you practice, you study, you practice, you come and you sit in front of the teacher and say, this is what's happening. And then the teacher may say any number of things. They may say, sounds okay, keep going. It may be as simple as that. Or or maybe something more pointed. It may be... You're full of yourself. Could be. But it would be really difficult to see this without that. And sometimes there are people can take drugs that'll give you a, and I've taken plenty of drugs. So I know, I know what, I'm sitting here and brag about it, but it's, I know, I know I've taken some. So I know that there's really extremely mind altering drugs that you can do that will give you a different slant on everything for a while. Nothing lasts. The only thing that lasts, the only thing that's permanent uh, doesn't exist. And you don't exist. That's why you're empty of a self. But if you can't realize it, then you'll continue to believe that you're a body mind. And when the body mind goes down, you'll think you're dying. And you'll be terrified. Not that you probably won't be terrified. But people are terrified about dying. They don't want to die. So, but there are some people like your teacher who are not afraid at all. Didn't you say that? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your teacher was not afraid. Yes, because she apparently, the way it sounds, she had some deep understanding of what this was. She knew, and I'm speaking up for her just because of, of your uh, connection with her, the, what I'm hearing you say, I see I, I see that teacher when I hear you talk about it. He's right here. He hasn't gone anywhere. Do you think she has? Wrong. And where is she? Right there. That doesn't make you a teacher. It means she hasn't left you. She can't leave you. Not separate from you. And she knew it. So even though everybody else might have felt bad that she was leaving, not going anywhere. There isn't anywhere to go. If you don't understand it, then we suffer. And then we panic. And then we worry. Dying. And if you do panic, don't try to stop panicking. Just enjoy the panic. It's just a it's it's just a big huge sideshow of panic. The three professions were uh, I don't know exactly what the three natures. There's purity involved. Why is the word curious? We could use perfection. You could wear, you could use uh, um, use uh, ultimate truth. So it's just ultimate truth doesn't have any angles or sides. You're 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 not separate from ultimate truth all the time. In space, we tend to separate. We think we go from room to room. You can't leave this room. And I'm not keeping you in here. You can't leave this room. Of course, you can leave this room, but just reflect on what I'm saying. There isn't anything else but this. So these are ultimate. Uh, perfection means that everything is perfect. There's nothing to correct anywhere. If you if you think there is, then then you'll continue to struggle with that until you, you know, either step on the spiritual path or just keep following the spiritual path until it comes to an end. If there is an end. Um, there's nothing to correct, um, but we, I know that you've talked about looking at what's happening in the world and the sadness that some of the injustices and environmental. So, uh, how do those two concepts jive? Everything else is going on out there, but there's nothing to correct. They don't jive. No, one's relative truth, and the other is a, is, is a way of talking about the absolute. So but it's a realization. It's not a belief or an opinion or an idea. Of course, the world's a mess because, as the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, he wasn't saying part-time. Life is suffering. It's difficult. And, you know, we go in, we've been, you know, why are we so concentrated on this? And we're totally forgetting about the Peloponnesian Wars, you know? Uh, Memory works every direction, every direction. There's there's more wars coming. Uh, we don't know, there's no way to stop the war. Going to war with war is more war. I don't care how many peace flags you have. It just, it just it's not that it, it won't, what it does is people don't like the feeling of being helpless and not doing anything. So they all get together and they try to do something. This is not wrong. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that as meditators, I'm recommending to you, your students for another 10 minutes, 
or whatever it may be, uh, I'm saying you might want to train your mind before you take your unexamined, hidden neurosis and aggression that you've been able to stop up because uh, and not not deal with or ignore like we were talking about earlier. Take it out because it will get triggered because there's some incredible violence. Watch television for an hour. The news programs are all over the place. Some pretty clear and some not so clear and constant stuff. But if you go out and join any uh, situation um, without seeing first what you may have not looked closely at, then that just like the idea of us almost like a resonance or something. It's like uh, the example I use in the monastery. We have a big drum we use for chanting. Sometimes you hit that with the, with the temperature and the humidity is just right. You hit that drum and sometimes nothing, but sometimes you hit it and one of the windows is, starts to rattle. And it's like, it's that kind of a thing. You go out and you, and you have your unexamined drum or your unexamined window there and you run into extreme violence or and people that are, uh, no matter how it may show up and suddenly what you're feeling actually you think is out there, but it's your own aggression that's showing you. So I'm not saying do or don't, any, don't do anything. I'm saying what I'm saying is, you know, find out who you are. And that means find out all the negativity so you're aware of your aggression. You don't have to get rid of anything. If you're aware of that aggression, when you go out, when it resonates, you'll know that that's just your own emotions, that your own personal bucket full of emotions. You won't, you won't necessarily uh, you know, think that you have to go to war over it. Uh, and by seeing your own, you might also, it might be very clear about the reason this other person is a, you know, white supremacist or whatever they may be. That's some of the people that are so difficult and so-called bad people or whatever you want to call them. And they're suffering too, it is, they, but they've not had any help. They've not been trained. They, who knows how they were raised, the causes and conditions, you know, where did this come from? Where did that person, what was that, how, how was that person treated when they were three or four little baby? Now, I mean, just the causes and conditions, it's just a labyrinth. So we can't really do a lot. This doesn't mean you shouldn't, as I said earlier, you shouldn't vote, of course. If it looks like there's something happening that might be might work, then let's let's help that person who has an incredible courage to stand up in front of everybody and say, I think I can do this. Uh, and and look closely at that person too, rather than believe what they say. Don't believe anything, but don't look away from anything. And so So find out, find out what this is. I think if you see what it is, then you might still want to go out and, and walk into that territory. But it, it's a difficult thing to do. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah. The question uh, we were over lunch uh, on one of the prayers that we say all the time. Ten directions is mentioned, but what is the ten directions? So this way, that 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 way, and that way, and that way. The ten directions are the three times. Don't you want to know about the three times? Yes. Go ahead. Um, past, present, and future. That's pretty good. Okay. Everywhere and all times. <laughs> So it's just a way of using time and space and saying and it's pretty expansive. All of the books. And the Buddhas have come and gone, you know, even countless billions and billions of years this has been going on. There's no beginning, no end. 
So we just come down into this, it looks like, and then and we're going back up or back down or maybe sideways. One last. Okay, thank you. We just wanted to uh, remind people that we have our donation can out there. If you can help us, please do so. And then Sukhazan's talk at the um, Traverse Mystic Library, Battle of Ego. So please come and, and share the news and some extra flyers and get it posted online. into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Yeah. Uh -huh. 